Hello, 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 my lovely parent friends. Apparently, we are still friends. I get a real kick out of saying that. It it makes me giggle. It makes me happy. I get some internal amusement out of that. And I think there's something very special about getting internal amusements out of things. Sometimes people might say, wow, she's kind of laughing at herself. Maybe she's a little bit crazy. But I think there's a really wonderful way to make yourself excited, to make yourself happy, to make yourself pleased, and know that it's coming internally, as opposed to an external need to do that. Whenever there's an external need to somehow keep the excitement and happiness going, there's always the risk of losing it. When you have an internal fire that's going that somehow is keeping you pleased, excited, thinking, then that is a never-ending supply. So whenever I make a little pun, I almost giggle to myself and I feel a little bit tickled. And tickling is an interesting thing because I have mixed feelings about tickling. So I don't mind myself being tickled, but we are a no tickle zone in our house. And I'll tell you why we're a no tickle zone. Because tickling is this weird, somewhat inappropriate touch. Now, I know that young people seem to have easy access to laughter if they're being tickled. But is the laughter coming from true enjoyment? Or is the laughter coming from an out of control place where they are still ticklish, but they have absolutely no control of their body and what's happening to them? I think it's very interesting because I don't know anybody who likes being tickled. I know I can't stand being tickled. I haven't met an adult that likes being tickled, but somehow we believe that our children want to be tickled. I think it's an interesting belief because we do so desperately want to make them happy and we want to make them laugh. And you'll notice that some children might even ask to be tickled. And I think part of the reason why they might ask to be tickled is because they understand that that touch is coming from a loving place and they would prefer to have a loving touch than no touch at all. But I think it would probably be great to be able to figure out a way to stay close and connected and touching your child without having to do the type of touch where they're not in control. You do want them to be as in control as they can possibly be. Anyway, I digress as I always digress. And here we are on episode four of Shut Up and Act Dumb podcast. This is four times. This is four weeks. So I've recently, and it's not so recent anymore, about six months ago, started a job taking care of Alaskan natives in remote Alaska. It's a sweet job that's four weeks on and four weeks off. And my four weeks in Alaska goes by really quickly. And my four weeks off go by really quickly. And now my four podcasts have gone by really quickly. And when you separate your life into four week increments, things go by so fast. It's so amazing how quickly things do go. And I've kind of loved it. So now that my kids are both in college, I decided I need a job 
so that I could have some more time off. And I found this wonderful job taking care of Alaskan natives in Nome and also in a small fishing village called Shishmaref. And the reason why I go to that village is because I really like to say the word Shishmaref and they will generally shorten the name of that village to Shish. So I spend most of my time saying, I'm going to Shish. Have you been to Shish? Do you know Shish? And there's something about the word Shish that tickles me. Again, it's the tickling, pleased, giggling, internal ability to please myself that makes me go on and able to do tons of things. I'm still continuing to digress, but I think this is all actually really important because I think the way we expect things to please us externally, that we're looking for something that's going to make us happy external to ourselves, leaves us in a position of vulnerability and leaves us somewhat powerless. It also teaches our children those things, and we definitely don't want them to not have the ability to please themselves, to find their own internal joy, to make themselves happy, and to use external sources in order to please them. That's not what we want for our children. We want them to be able to do that for themselves. So I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about what we spoke about last week and then expand on that concept. Last week, we spoke about the circumstance, which is something that is absolutely provable in a court of law is neutral until you have a thought about it. Somebody dies. And unless you have a thought about it, it's not like you're walking around upset, wondering if anybody in the world has died. There just hasn't been a thought about it. And I was saying that it is extremely powerful to have this ability to separate the circumstance, which is the fact, from the thought, which is the story. If we can separate our circumstances from our stories, then we can wade through all of the muck that's somehow inhabiting our brain and telling us that things are not okay all the time, over and over again, practiced so beautifully that that becomes our default thought. So you have the circumstance, which is factual and is essentially neutral, and then you have the thought the thought that you attribute it. Now, it is the thought that causes whatever the feeling is. So if your kid didn't take out the trash, the thought is, I'm going to have to do it myself. Or the thought might be, why doesn't anyone help me here? And that will create a feeling for you. The feeling might be anger. The feeling might be upset. But know that that feeling was created from that thought. There are other thoughts that people could have about their children not taking out the garbage. But the one you had created the feeling of anger. If you notice that you're angry, if you have that feeling, I want you to dig deeper into what that thought might be that caused that feeling of anger. Because you'll find it's not necessarily the circumstance. The circumstance might have triggered the thought. 
but the feeling is directly related to the thought. So I'm going down this model here, and this is the self-coaching model because I want you guys to coach yourself. This was a model that was created by Brooke Castillo in the Life Coach School, and I am a certified life coach from the Life Coach School. So I love this model, and that is the reason why I joined the Life Coach School, because I felt like this model was the ticket to endless understanding about how to shift things pivot and move things around because I could put anything into the model. I'm a doctor. I'm a scientist. I like things to be understandable. Now, I might not like the fact that I have to blame my thought for whatever the feeling is. I would prefer in some ways to blame the circumstance because that way I don't have to do very much to change it. And if I have to blame the thought for whatever I'm feeling, then I have to actually think a little bit and I have to decide if I want to think, and I have to be intentional. And sometimes I even have to shift the thinking that I have had for however many years. And maybe I have to shift the thinking of other people who I love and count on who have the same thoughts and tell them that maybe their thoughts are not serving them. All right, so we're going down the model now. We've got the circumstance, we've got the thought, We've got the feeling that comes from the thought, and then you get the action related to whatever that feeling is. So usually it takes some kind of feeling to drive an action. So if I'm mad, I do a couple of things. I might scream and yell. I might stomp. I might get upset at people. I might ruminate in my head about whatever's going on. I might decide that I'm not going to do anything and let the house go to pot. It could be an action or it could be an inaction. And then from those actions, there's usually the result. The result might be I'm taking the garbage out myself. The result might be that nobody ever helps me because I'm screaming and yelling. The result might be that the garbage doesn't go out because I've decided to not do it but it is generally related to whatever the thought is. So this is a very, very understandable ladder and model about how our results come to be. And I've plugged in so many results and figured out what thought I was having and knew and could trace that these results were related to the thoughts that I was having. And sometimes they're very, very subtle, almost innocent thoughts. I don't know. I'm confused. I've never done this before. That have driven actions and given me results of not getting certain things done. And even though those thoughts seem like very, very innocent things, I want us to just notice every thought that we have and decide, is that thought serving us? What are the results based on that thought? What feeling is being created from that thought? What actions are taking place from that feeling? So I want you guys to do this. You're going to write this down on a piece of paper. C is for circumstance. T is for thought. F is for feeling. A is for action. And it could also be an inaction and R is the results. And I want you to plug in anything that's going on with you at any moment. I want you to feel shame 
plug that into the feeling like, and then go down that model. Say, what happens when you feel shame? What actions are you taking? What results do you get afterwards? Or go up that model. Say, huh, what's the thought that is making me feel that shame? Notice what the circumstance is. Notice that the circumstance is probably neutral. That is your assignment for the week, is that you are going to go up and down that self-coaching model and that you are actually going to consider that your circumstance, no matter what it is, is not the problem, but the thought that you have, like I said, practiced so beautifully, come to so innocently, have in your brain that has become the default and question it. Question it compassionately. Be kind to yourself. You come by these thoughts honestly. And if you're here with me right now, you want to change something. And I promise you that changing your thought will make all the difference in the world. And I spoke about it last week. I am not talking about positive affirmations. I am not talking about those thoughts that you do not believe the rainbow and fairy thoughts. I'm talking about a slight modification of something. And then you test that thought and you decide how it makes you feel. And if it makes you feel something that moves you in the direction you want to go, then practice, practice, practice that thought. All right, my lovely parents, I leave you with that thought or those many thoughts. Remember, we have 40 to 60,000 thoughts a day. So I want you to be intentional about what your thoughts are and know that the thoughts are coming in are not necessarily who you are, but thoughts that have been installed by many, many different circumstances in your life, whether it be the parents, whether it be your societal standing, anything about what's going on. And those thoughts have been practiced, practiced, practiced until they become a belief system. So shake things up, shake it up. Don't stick with that stuff. If you don't have the results you want, then you don't have to stick with it. And it is as simple as you deciding to change something. I'm not saying it's going to feel good. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. You have not been promised an easy, feel-good life, but you have been promised a life, a life full of human experiences, all related to feelings that you are going to be able to handle. All right, my lovelies, I am going now. So if you want to know more about this kind of coaching, you can get in touch with me at drnickinaridan.com. That's dr. N-I-K-K-I, Neritin, N-E-R-E-T-I-N.com and sign up for my six-week coach uh, coaching program, which will help you go from contention to lovely, wonderful, relaxed, compassionate relationships with your children and with everybody around you. Okay. I love you all. <laughs>